Catholic Drive Time, keeping, time you keeping you informed. Spy him, spy him. We love God, we love God, we ought to be able to talk about him. With the latest in breaking news and information, and information from the Vatican, from the Vatican to the White House, everything in between. Everything in between. It's serious, it's serious. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Wednesday, July 5th, 2023, the Feast of St. Athanasius the Athonite. This is uh, going to be a lot of very foreign names. Athanasius the Athonite, who was a monk from Trebizond, Turkey, and considered the founder of the monastic community on Mount Athos. Born in the 10th century, Athanasius studied in Constantinople and became a renowned preacher. He sought to he sought a more devout life and joined the monks at Mount Chimenes before moving to Mount Athos in Greece. There he defended the hermits against the Saracens and established the great Lavra monastery with the help of Nisphorphorus Phocas, who later became the emperor. Athanasius faced opposition from the existing hermits on Mount Athos as he tried to bring order and discipline to their lives. After Nisphoros' death, Athanasius was forced to leave Athos and live in Cyprus. However, with the support of Emperor John Cesamesis, he returned and became the abbot of the great Lavra, introducing a rule from the monks based on the teaching of Theodore Studerites and Basil of Caesarea. Tragically, he died in an accident when the cupola of his church collapsed and he was glorified as a saint after his death. The life of Athanasius teaches us the power of perseverance and devotion in the face of opposition. Despite facing challenges and resistance, he reigned steadfast in his mission to establish a disciplined and devout monastic community on Mount Athos. His commitment to his beliefs and his unwavering dedication of God's calling can serve as an inspiration to you and I. St. Athanasius the Athenite, pray for us, happy Wednesday to you. Praise be to God. I hope you had a wonderful 4th of July that you celebrated well. Uh, we're going to be talking about the 4th of July coming up at 15 past the hour. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. Talk about love for our country, the patria. We're going to talk about this coming up at 15 past the hour. But joining us right now is Tito Edwards. Good morning, Tito. Good morning, Adrian. <clears throat> yeah, I what a what is this, the 5th of July, Wednesday. And uh, looking forward to the conversation on love of our country. I certainly do love and enjoy living in this country. I so feel I feel very blessed, and uh, it's still. I know I've been around for a while, but it still baffles me to see uh, others denigrate and and uh, bring down our country for for wrongs that don't exist or are over exaggerated. Yeah. So we'll be talking about uh, some of the some of these things at fifteen past the hour. At thirty past the hour, we I mentioned on Monday. That Tia Morrow, this uh, this Hollywood actress, was very much against, get um, very much promoting very normal cultural things in our culture, in American Hollywood culture, and it's bad. And so we're going to talk more about that because this idea, this whole celebration of divorce, this whole danger of celebrity culture, is a very very concerning situation. So we're going to talk about that at thirty past the hour. In the next hour, we're going to be talking about the precious blood of Jesus. And so this is going to be a wonderful conversation about the history of the devotion to the precious blood. And we're going to be talking about that because, honestly, I didn't know very much about the history of the devotion to the precious blood of Jesus. It's a very 
I'm not going to say unique because actually it's been celebrated for a very long time, but we just don't talk about it very much anymore. Just like we don't talk too much about the Sacred Heart anymore, and it's kind of changed in the last few years, but the Precious Blood, I mean, it's been it's a long-time devotion, and yet how many of us have ever really thought much show, about right? it? So we definitely need to be able to figure out that problem. And uh, then, of course, we have our Fear and Trembling game show going to be coming up in the next hour. So that's going to be coming up. So make sure that you are tuned in. And you can always find our phone number listed. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And you can get our phone number there. That's going to be listed there for you to hop on early if you want to hop on for the game show coming up in the next hour. And because we had a shorter week, then the chances of you winning actually go up because there are less competitors to win the prize for this Friday. So if you want to call in this week, you have greater odds. But let's begin in prayer. We're going to pray for whatever it is that you that is going on in your life, whatever is happening, and we're going to be praying for that. We pray for our country. We pray for the end to the scourge of abortion. And that's where we pray this prayer to the most precious blood of Jesus. We'll pray for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, and for our friends, our family, and our benefactors. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O my God, I beg of thee, in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary, through the merits of the precious blood offered to thee in every sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, to grant that this day one sinner may be converted, one mortal sin be averted, one soul in doubt be converted to truth, one soul about to die in sin receive the grace of repentance and a happy death, and the deliverance of that soul into purgatory, which is nearest heaven. I wish by this offering to console the heart of Jesus in agony for souls lost through the teaching of error against the true church of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. May thy blood, O Lord, be my salvation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Wednesday, July 5th, Honor Domini 2023, and these are your headlines. Catholic World News and our Sunday visitor are reporting the Indiana Supreme Court has upheld the constitutionality of a 2022 pro-life law. The church applauds all efforts of the state, including its courts, to safeguard the sanctity of life and the dignity of the human being from the moment of conception to natural death, said Archbishop Charles Thompson of Indianapolis. Said in response, let us not waver in our care for both mother and child, both persons and families. In 2022, the Indiana Catholic Conference described the legislation as a step in the right direction, but added that it still needs improvement in order to provide meaningful protection for pre-born children. Vatican News is reporting Caritas Internationalists issued a heartfelt appeal on Tuesday to eight agencies asking them to resume their recently suspended food aid to Ethiopia's Tigray region. On their website, Caritas, along with numerous religious leaders and aid agencies, calls for the U.S. Agency for International Development and World Food Program to resume life-saving food distribution immediately. The statement explains the food aid was suspended on the 30th of March 2023 in the Tigray region after widespread and systemic diversion of large amounts of food meant for hungry people were discovered. The pause was extended to the entire Ethiopian territory in early June. LifeNews.com is reporting, drawing hope from the overturning of Roe v. Wade in the U.S., more than 10,000 pro-life advocates in Ireland marched Saturday to call for restored protections for unborn babies in the country. 
The Rally for Life in Dublin took place amid reports of skyrocketing abortion numbers and proposed legislation to expand abortions even more. And finally, LifeSite News is reporting Marjorie Monaghan, the wife of Catholic philanthropist and Domino's Pizza founder Thomas Monaghan, has passed away. Ave Maria School of Law, which Thomas Monaghan founded, announced that Marjorie, quote, passed away peacefully in her home on Monday, July 3rd, surrounded by her family, end quote. Mrs. Monaghan and her husband were married for 60 years and have four daughters, 10 grandchildren, and six great-grandchildren. Nice. Those were your headlines this morning. God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 34. So he reached the other shore in the country of the Gerasenes, and here he went. He was met by two possessed creatures who came out of the rock tombs, so exceedingly fierce that none could pass along that road. And at once they cried aloud, Why dost thou meddle with us, Jesus, Son of God? Hast thou come here to torment us before the appointed time? Some distance away a great herd of swine was feeding, and the devils asked a favor of him. If thou hast a mind to cast us out, they said, send us into the herd of swine. He said to them, away with you. And they came out and went into the herd of swine. And with that, all the herds rushed down the cliff into the sea and perished in its waters. The swine herds fled to the city and there told all that had happened and the story of those who had been possessed. And thereupon all the townspeople went out to meet Jesus, and then they found him. They entreated him to leave their country. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Cornelius Alapide had much to say on this topic today. And in fact, I recommend going and checking out his entire commentary because it is actually very, very interesting when you hear about the healing of the demoniac, as somebody who is possessed by devils. A very interesting commentary. We're only going to be able to touch on a couple points. Now here, Cornelius Lapide begins. He says, It is certain from Scripture and the fathers that the devils from the beginning of the world were condemned as soon as they sinned and were tormented in the fire of hell. For by that fire they are tormented even when they are away from it, having gone forth from hell and taken up their abode in the air that is brought about by the omnipotence of God. The fire of hell is a supernatural instrument of the omnipotent God. Hence, by the will of God, it can operate in the most distant places. Now, this is important to note because of a number of things. One, it shows you the risk of reading Holy Scripture without looking at it through the eyes of the church, without looking at it as a piece of a whole. If you look at this passage individually and you hear the devils say something like, before the appointed time has thou come here to torment us before the appointed time. Well, some might think, oh, that means the devils are not currently being punished. That their appointed time is the time whenever they will then receive their punishment. But no, Cornelius Alapide makes clear, if you look at this piece in the context of all of the scriptures and all the fathers, it's clear that the beginning of the world, whenever, as soon as the devil sinned, they were immediately condemned to the torments of hell because the angels, which demons are just fallen angels, the angels have wills and intellects that grasp the whole of something. And then when it makes a decision, its will is fixed on that decision. Whereas you and I do not think that way and we do not learn that way. And therefore we do not act that way. So whenever we will something, we can flip flop on our decisions. We change our minds. 
This doesn't happen with demons. And so once they willed to be away from God, their will was fixed on that. And they did not change their mind, and they cannot change their mind. And so whenever they did, they were immediately condemned for eternity. And so then you may ask, okay, what then is he talking about? Why did the devil say, okay, why are you coming about my appointed time? Well, he here, Cornelius Lapide gives a number of different theories that come from the different fathers of the church. And here is one that I think is the most credible to me. Sounds like, look, I possess this man and I have control over him. And yet you want to take him from me. Don't I have more time with this man? And he's saying the appointed time in terms of this particular circumstance. Now here, Cornelius Lapide continues, that when therefore they said to Christ, art thou come? They did not speak of the ancient, perpetual, irrevocable torment of hell fire, but they deprecated any new torment of being inflicted upon them by Christ. This new torment was their expulsion from the bodies of those that they were then in habit of possessing and their banishment to the prison house of hell. Now the demoniac then was driven by the devils which possessed him to dwell among the tombs for the, these following reasons. I'm only going to share a couple of reasons. Cornelius Lopardy gives some more. He says, one, because unclean spirits love to dwell in unclean places. Hence, witches hold their Sabbaths under the gallows. So those who think that this whole witch phenomenon is a new thing, who say that, oh, they're just faking it, they don't actually believe it. Well, even in the 1600s, when Cornelius Alapide was writing, they still are having these things happen in his time. He said also because devils rejoice at the death of men and triumph over the souls of them who are condemned to hell. This is one reason why we mourn at the death of people, is because death is not the intended consequence of our lives for God, what God has desired that we live. And it is because of our sin that we die. So it is good to mourn. And we should not have these ideas of celebration of lives. Yes, we should celebrate people's lives, but mourning over the death of a loved one is right. It is just. And we're actually going to touch on this at 30 past the hour. And finally, I want to focus on this last thing from Cornelius Lapide. We, I wish we had much more time to talk about this. But why did he go into the pig? Why go into the swine? And why did our Lord allow it? This is a common question. He says, in order that in so much as they were unable to injure men directly, they wanted to injure them indirectly by destroying their property or possessions. And still they do so today. That as actually came to pass, they might stir up ill will of the inhabitants against Christ. And because the unclean spirits delight in unclean things. And he says, much like the devil worshippers and the witches, and they take the form of a he-goat. Hmm, very interesting. 1600s. Don't we see very similar things happening with devil worshippers today? Uh, we'll come back with more after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, Religion can never depend on minute disputes about doctrine. G.K. Chesterton says that's like saying that life can never depend on minute disputes about medicine. Will the man who says we don't want theologians splitting hairs also say... 
We don't want surgeons splitting filaments more delicate than hairs. Many a man would be dead today if his doctors had not debated fine shades about doctoring. It's also a fact that Western civilization would be dead today if its doctors of divinity had not debated fine shades about doctrine. We depend on doctors of medicine. We can also depend on the doctors of the church. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Good morning to you. I hope you had a blessed 4th of July, and I hope you got some rest last night. You know, I actually went to bed early. I was hearing fireworks in the in the distance, and I was like, man, I really wish I was out popping fireworks right now. <laughs> but I was really tired, and I was like, you know what? I better go to bed, or else I'm going to be regretting it in the morning. So I went to bed around about 9 o'clock. Good I probably fell deal. asleep around 9.30. So I was like, bummer, bummer. I could hear all the fireworks going off outside, <laughs> and I was like, man, I went with, oh, well. Oh well. Did your family bust some fireworks? No, not this year. Oh, not okay. this year. We didn't. We usually do rockets, firecrackers. Uh, no, and uh, the normally we do, but we didn't this year. So we'll talk about that in just a second. But I want to start with this. Timcast News reports new survey data from Gallup shows that the number of Americans who take pride in their country remains near all-time lows. The number of U.S. adults who consider themselves extremely proud to be an American is at just 39%, barely changed from last year's record low of 38%. The combined 67% of Americans who are either extremely or very proud also aligns with a historically low number of 65% a year ago, according to Gallup's latest survey data on the topic. When Gallup began taking the survey in January 2001, about nine months prior to the attack on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, when 2,977 Americans perished, 55% of U.S. adults were extremely proud to be an American. During the two years following the attack, the pride swelled from between 65 to 75%. The percentage of Americans expressing extreme pride declined in 2005 and in subsequent years, but it remained at the majority level through 2017. Since 2018, extreme pride has consistently been below averaging 42%. According to survey results, political affiliation is the greatest demographic differentiator and expression of natural, national pride, with Republicans consistently being more likely than Democrats and independents to show pride in being American. In the latest poll, 60% of Republicans and 29% of Democrats expressed extreme pride in being American. Gallup added a figure statistically similar to last year's data. Among independents, 33% express extreme pride in the U.S. Age is also a differentiating factor, with U.S. adults 55 and older reporting that they are extremely proud to be an American, while 40% of people between the ages of 35 to 54 agree. Since last year, Americans have expressed historically low confidence in the Supreme Court, presidency, Congress, and Gallup previously reported. The military and small businesses were the only institutions in which more than half of Americans expressed confidence. So there you go. I think it's a very concerning situation. It's seeing the amount of, I mean, I, we use the term pride, but I'm very curious to see what, whenever people asked about this, and I want to know if they love their country. That's what I want to know. 
more than I want to know, do you take pride in your country? Do you love your country? That's my question. Because being proud of your country is one thing. And that's there's an element, depending on what we mean by pride, there's an element of that that we're okay, that's okay. You should take pride in your country in the sense that you love your country and that you wish the best for it and you are happy about the good things that your country has done. And I think it's a very important thing to keep in mind. And that's something that we celebrate whenever we celebrate the 4th of July. That's something that we should celebrate when we celebrate the 4th of July. It's something that is lost in our day. And I think one of the reasons why we see this number going down, 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 all the way to today, we're at a 39%. 39% level. And remember, this is means, quote, extremely proud. So I wonder how many people... Has it is it slightly lower? What's, what's, how does the latest survey data break up? But you know what's definitely contributing to this is the fact that every single institution hates on our country. They just hate on the country. What's an example of this? Well, how about, have you heard of Ben & Jerry's? Ben & Jerry's, a, one of the most popular ice cream brands in America. They're, I mean, I have to admit, their ice cream is very good. But... Ben and Jerry's hates America. And how do I prove this? How do I know that Ben and Jerry's hates America? Well, ask them. They will tell you. It said they put on 4th of July, on the 4th of July, the 4th of July, it's high time we recognize that the U.S. exists on stolen indigenous land and commit to returning it. The United States was founded on stolen indigenous land. This 4th of July, let's commit to returning it. It said in a post 22 hours ago, they said in their in the article that they published along with that, and they put out a whole statement about this on the 4th of July. You, can we not have one day where we say, you know what? Yeah, America has done bad things in the past. How about a bombing of, uh, of Japan, wiping out all the Catholics in Japan? That's not good. However, can we not have one day a year? We just finished Pride Month, where we dedicated a whole month to the celebrating sodomy. evil actions. Can we not have one day to say, hey, let's recognize the good America has done? But instead, Ben and Jerry's comes out and says, ah, the 4th of July. Who doesn't love a good parade, some tasty barbecue, and a stirring fireworks display? The only problem with all that, though, is that it can distract from an essential truth about this nation's birth. The U.S. was founded on stolen indigenous land. Every country in the world sits on stolen or indigenous, indigenous land. It's such a ridiculous statement. Before we got here, whatever tribe was on there took it from another tribe before them and a tribe before that and a tribe before that. None of this land belongs to anyone. We're here. It's America. And they can take it if they can. But they can't take it. It's ours. <laughs> Well, the other thing is that the, the someone came out and responded to him and said, speaking of stolen land, the Abenaki nation would like to have a word with Ben and Jerry's about the land under their headquarters that they're occupying in Vermont. They really should commit to returning their stolen land. It's very interesting. They always want other people to be virtuous. How about you lead by example? How about you give up your land? Because then at least I know you're serious and not just virtue signaling. Now, it's also interesting because on June 29th, the Ben and Jerry's put out another post about the SCOTUS ruling and talking about trying to support to say that the uh, affirmative action case is racist and we need to turn it over. That we did a bad thing by 
getting rid of affirmative action. How about another thing? They, it comes out against all these different things. They put out another thing about reproductive rights, saying one year ago, Supreme Court turned overturned Roe v. Wade and ended federal protections for abortion access. Now abortion bans are on the rise and reproductive rights are under attack. This is the kind of company Ben & Jerry's is. It's not like this is a one-time thing. Constantly, constantly, they're talking about the evils and woes of America, and usually they're promoting evil ideas like abortion, like transgenderism. It's very, very interesting. They're very anti-police. Throughout their entire... Why are we supporting Ben & Jerry's? Why are we buying Ben & Jerry's ice cream? Did you know this about Ben & Jerry's? It's been the thing that they've done for a long time. And they are just completely and utterly woke. A very sad state of affairs. Now, all that to say, we should have pride in our country. But at the same time, they are right in one aspect. There are bad things that America has done. But America is not perfect. And... I kind of noticed this yesterday because we were talking about what we did on the 4th of July. I went to uh, Washington on the Brazos with my family, and we went to go see the founding of Texas. So we, I, I love Texas. I am a huge fan of Texas. I think uh, it's the, the greatest country on earth. And, <laughs> the, um, and so we went to Washington on the Brazos where the Texas independence was founded. And we had the Declaration of Independence in Texas, which was on March 6th. And that was... So it's a little late, but that's where we went. We celebrated Texas. However, it was very concerning, though, to see what they were promoting, the ideas of the of the founders. Because Mexico, now it was bad. I mean, this was a period in time in history, which we're still living in, but it's a period in time of history of revolution. There is the French Revolution, the American Revolution, and then the Texas Revolution. And then just below them, the, the Mexican Revolution happened right before. They would have revolted against Spain. But whenever Mexico was split from Spain, there was still this Catholic atmosphere. Now, Santa Ana was a Freemason himself. There's a lot of Freemasons involved in the situation. A lot of bad things in Mexico that were happening at that time. However, they were still Catholic. And Texas was Catholic. In fact, one of the things that was cited for the Texas independence was freedom of religion because you had to be Catholic to have land in Texas. And many people were uh, kind of a Protestant version of a converso where they were pretending to convert to Catholicism in order to get land in Texas. This was very concerning that this happened. And so these Texicans who came from the, uh, from the United States came into Texas and the Tejanos, who were all Catholics, it was the Texians who kind of led the revolt and not the Tejanos. I think that's a very interesting, interesting way of seeing what happened there. And so what, what's the answer to this? What's the answer to recognizing that there are some pretty concerning situations that happened in our nation's past? Well, the answer isn't to condemn our country and say, we should abolish our country. What does that, that, what does that succeed in doing? You, you promote anarchy. You promote communism. You promote wickedness. And so what do you succeed in doing when you say that? Nothing. You succeed in nothing. So instead, we should have patriotism. Instead, we should love our country. We can recognize the fault in our country while loving our country. How is that possible? Because if we love something, then we will the good for it. If we love something, we will the good for it. If you love your spouse, you will the good of your spouse. If you love your kids, you will the good of your kids. If you love your country, 
you will the good of your country. So what is the good for our country? It's good to recognize our faults. It's good to celebrate the positive things that we've done. And it's good to look forward into the future on how we can make America a wonderful and blessed country. I mean, we sing, God bless America. What do we mean it? And what does that look like? What does it look like to say that God blessed America? What does it look like to say that I want God to bless America? Well, it means that Christ needs to be king. It means Our Lady needs to be queen. How can we do this? We can only do it if we decide to take action and not condemn our country and say, I hate my country. Because what can you build with hate? What can you build by denigrating something? If your child is bad and you, so you start chastising your child constantly and you start berating your child and you say, uh, just only talk about what your child has done poorly, what, what will happen to your child? Will he turn out to be good? Will he change his ways? Or will he double down? Will his heart be hardened? Will you end up creating an even worse child? No, the answer is yes, you correct the wrongs, but you also celebrate the victories. And you move forward to try to create and cultivate a positive, beautiful child. And so we look at our motherland. We look at our fatherland. We look at the land that we were born on, this land that we reside on, and we love it. And so we say, yes, there are bad things. Here's a couple. I can recognize it. Here's a few things that were not good. Here are some things that were good. So let's aim to do more of the good and less of the bad. And let's correct the bad. Let's move forward out of love, out of love for our country. So we'll be right back. Speaking of love, whew, a lot more of that coming up next. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, July 5th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for this morning. Catholic News Agency is reporting the Fulton Sheen Movement has announced plans for a Fulton Sheen Rally, an all-day event on Sunday, July 9th, 
at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. The family-friendly event will focus on rediscovering Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen's messages for our times, signing a petition to have his beatification mass rescheduled soon, and several Sheen-related activities. To promote the cause of beatification and pray for powerful graces for the Church through the intercession of Sheen, the event will include prayer, celebration, inspiration, feasting, and active participation in advancing the case of the Archbishop. Crux is reporting violence in Nigeria continues to be especially hard on Christians throughout the country. Aid to the Church in Need has recently predicated a mass, predicted a mass exodus of Christians, especially young people, if the security situation in the country does not improve drastically and soon. Nevertheless, there is growing consensus both in Nigeria and among international monitors that the government is complacent in the face of violence, if not complicit. If the Nigerian authorities do not address the conflicts concerning land, ethnicity, criminality, and religious extremism, said Maria Lorzano of Aid to the Church in Need, as well as the breakdown in democratic values and equal rights of its citizens, including religious freedom, the cancer of Islamist jihadism, and political disintegration evident in the northern half of the Africa will spread. LifeNews.com is reporting Senator Bob Casey is not even pretending to be pro-life anymore. After campaigning as a pro-life Democrat every year since first being elected to the U.S. Senate in 2006, he has abandoned his position supporting protections for unborn babies. In a new interview with The Messenger, that Pennsylvania lawmaker rejected the pro-life label and referred to killing unborn babies and abortions as a, quote, right. He succeeded his father, who was a pro-life Democrat and was banned from the Democratic National Convention because he was a pro-lifer. How far the son is straight from his father's shadow. LifeNews.com is reporting Missouri pro-life advocates celebrated another victory for Life Friday when a judge blocked the city of St. Louis from forcing taxpayers to support killing unborn babies in abortions. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And now I want to talk about divorce for a little bit. But before we do, I just wanted to um, give an update because I want to make sure um, people are not thinking I'm dodging the story. I want to talk about this whole story with um, with the new appointment to the dicastery of, of uh, uh, the CDF, the Congregation of Doctrine of Faith. The, they changed the name to Dicastery of Doctrine of Faith, the DDF, which kind of throws me off still. But the... We're going to talk about this issue tomorrow because there's just a lot of information that's been coming out about this bishop that I think needs to all be taken into account together. Um, the people have been reporting on different bits and pieces, which has been very good for me because I've been following all the different reporting on what was happening. Uh, but I, the problem is I think everybody's getting parts of it. They're missing parts of the story because they're only reporting on one aspect of it. And so there's the aspect of it about his his book on on kissing, which is very concerning. We'll definitely be talking about that. Uh, but there's also apparently an element uh, in regards to the sex abuse crisis. There's also an element in regards to the traditional Latin mass, uh, which I think was very interesting, uh, kind of something that kind of came out uh, more recently. And I think all these things need to be kind of seen. And also the other appointments in the Vatican that are ha that are happening as well. And to see a big the big picture. And these things all have big picture consequences. We can't look at just a particular instance and say, okay, this is 
one bad thing, but we have to see it as, okay, how does all of it fit together? And what's the game plan here? And so I'm looking at all these different things, and we're going to be talking about that for sure tomorrow. Uh, but for right now, I wanted to talk about, we mentioned on Monday, that I wanted to talk about Tia Morrow. And we mentioned a little bit about this situation because she says that divorce is the best gift she can give to her kids. And I was very, it's very concerning that someone would say something like that because they don't understand what, how, much ho- how horrific divorce is, how absolutely horrible divorce is. And, I mean, there's a great book called Primal Loss by Lila Miller. And then she tells the stories of these, these adult children and they're re- reflecting and looking back at their parents' divorce and how horrible it was for them. And so I want to start off by playing a, a short clip. And we tried to play last time, but it kind of had some issues. But we're going to play it today. And it starts at, and then we're going to listen to what she has to say here and kind of see what we can glean from what she is kind of expounding upon here. Because I think it's very indicative of what the culture tells us and how we understand the culture. Uh, so if you can play that clip for me. Said, who are you if you are not mom? Mm. Who are you if you are not an entertainer? And I remember I just started to cry because mm. sometimes I feel like we as women, um, we get lost in those roles. You know what I mean? Um, it's very easy for us to, uh, you know, put everybody first. I'm definitely a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay to, you know, sacrifice and to put others first at times, um, but you cannot lose yourself. Mm. If you do that too much and there is no balance, I like to say, kind of like what happened with me, you kind of bleed out, you Mm. know what I mean? And it's like, it's really important for you to fill up your cup. So I am just going on this journey of, you know, rediscovery, Mm. learning, you know, who is Tia Mori? Who is Tia Mm -hmm. Mori now? It has not been easy, it's hard. Um, but I will say I have peace. Mm. Um, there is a sense of freedom. I am the author and the writer yeah. of my story. There. Yeah. Let's stop right there. The very interesting because what does she say here? She says, I think it's okay to sacrifice, but I need to focus on myself. She says, I feel like women, and she, this is in a, another interview with, uh, on today. She says, I feel like women. We tend to focus on everybody else's happiness, making sure that everybody else is okay, meaning our children, our friends, our family. I knew when I really started to focus on my happiness. This is very concerning because this is the mentality that causes so much divorce, so much divorce. Why do we have so much divorce? It's because people are, I hate to say it, are selfish. They want to say, I don't want to sacrifice. In fact, marriage shouldn't be a sacrifice. There's no way marriage could be a sacrifice. This is very concerning. This is the mentality. This is the Hollywood mentality. And we saw it in another case with, um, I'm forgetting, there was a basketball player and his wife who recently became viral because they had agreed that they were going to split everything in their marriage 50-50. That they were paying 50-50 for the house, 50-50 for everything. Why? Because the husband told his wife, which he's worth like $500 million and she's worth like $50 million. And he told her one day, I forgot what the argument was. They're having an argument. He said, this is my house. And she was like, "Uh uh-uh, you're never telling me that again. 
okay, we're going to be splitting everything 50-50 from now on. So you can never tell me that ever again. It's an unwillingness to sacrifice. It's an unwillingness to suffer. An unwillingness to recognize the proper roles in marriage. It's very, very concerning. And she goes on and says, but at the end of my end of the day, it's about self-love. When you start to really work on yourself, love yourself, know your value, know your worth, then all of a sudden there's this awakening. And it's not easy. It's a hard journey. But at the end of the day, I feel like it is so, so worth it. Now, what is? What is the journey? Where are you going? Quo vadis. Where are you going? Unto what end? My professor, Dr. Theodore Rebard at the University of St. Thomas, who just retired this last year, he would tell us all the time, unto what end? Unto what end is what he would say. Quo vadis. Where are you going? It's a hard journey, but at the end of the day, I feel like it's so, so worth it. What is worth it? Where are you going? What's the point? Self-love? Self-knowledge? Well, who are you? Who are you? And in fact, she's asked this question later on. We'll play that clip um, coming up at the other side of the break. We're going to go to a break in about a minute. And when we come back from that break, I want to share with you a couple other clips from this interview because it's very, very telling. Because that is a good question. That is the right question. She's asking correct questions. She's just coming up with the wrong answers. And it's very, very concerning to see these really good questions be answered in horrible ways. And why are they being answered in horrible ways? Because they don't have the faith. Because they don't have a tradition. They're trying to create out of whole cloth. Why do we see so far? Because we stand on the shoulders of giants. But if you decide to be independent, to go on it alone, to rely on yourself, to rely on the people around you who are just making it up on their own, well, you're not going to be able to see as far. You can't see as far. It's impossible to see as far. Because whenever you have 2,000 years of history, of tradition, where we trust in those who came before us and we refine and we develop those ideas to perfection... We could see further away. But whenever you're rebuilding, reconstructing, revolting, then you progress right off their shoulders onto the ground, and you can't see as clearly or as far. We'll be right back with more. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What's the primary reason you chose your present church? Doctrinal positions, your family's church, the pastor, church friendliness, dynamic youth ministry? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, statistics. A survey showed that 87% of those who attend a non-Catholic church choose their church because of the senior pastor's sermons. Secondly, the reason for Catholics, this comes from Canon Law 518, which says, as a general rule, a parish is to be one which includes all the Christian faithful of a certain territory. And thirdly, my response, the average span of a mature Christian staying at a non-denominational church is between 18 and 24 months. Why such a short time? You know the reason. They came because we love the pastor and his sermons. He's so relatable and so current. Whoops, now they're tired of relatable and current, so just go down the street. They found some new relatable and current. Oh, the alluring draw of charisma. Fortunately, at a Catholic church, the sermon is not the central moment. Do you know what is the central moment? Body and blood. Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And who baptized Jesus? 
St. John the Baptist. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. So good to be on with you today. Uh, we're talking about divorce and Hollywood culture because Hollywood culture isn't just in Hollywood. And the reason why it's important is because Hollywood culture infects really all of America, but really all the world, too, because Hollywood is our chief export in America. And we send it out to every country in the world and we influence their way of thinking because we created celebrity cultures. Instead of saints and heroes, uh, we have celebrities. Instead of kings and monarchs, we have politicians. And so these... Uh, we still have all these things that people don't like. We just have them in different ways, and I would argue in much, much worse ways. And so we're talking about this issue. And so I want to play this other clip from Tia Morrow. She's an actress in Hollywood. And um, I, think she, I think people would probably classify her as like a D-list actress. Um, not very uh, well-known, but she was in a lot of Disney things, especially as a child. She was in a lot of things. I didn't see any of her stuff, but I think it's important because I think she is demonstrating a very common attitude amongst many, um, many people in Hollywood. And so we'll play this clip for you. I can't, I can't, you know? And, and I think it's because we are taught that change is not good. Yeah. But what I'm learning is that change is constant and change will always win. Mm -hmm. So we have to be prepared for change. You know what I mean? Be prepared to let go and you know that's kind of why i cut my hair too just letting go i think that's it's all. you said you said you were asked the question who are yeah. you yes so did we yeah let's pause out. right there <laughs> the I, I this is the next clip of one plays her asking about who are you and so first i want to talk about change for a second change what is change let's start with that what is change and so whenever we talk about change that's something that we talk about because it's something that we observe. And it's funny because the, the Greeks emphasized the topic of change and they talked about it very much. And it'd be an interesting exploration to do a whole show just about change, actually. However, it, just briefly, the Greeks were debating on whether or not change was even real because they were thinking, thinking about, okay, well, things move, right? But however, in any particular instance, nothing is moving. So how is there change? They kind of considered a paradox. It was Zeno's paradox. But we recognize that change does happen because we can observe that things are and things are different from what they were. So we recognize that there is change. So what is change? Well, change is basically what we recognize as time. So whenever, whenever what is time? Time is the measurement of change. But there is no change in God. In God, he is unchanging. Why? Why is God unchanging? Because he is perfect. Because he is perfect. And I was reading The Death of Christian Culture by John Sr. I should have pulled out the quote, and I'm going off of memory now. The Death of Christian Culture by John Sr. I was reading him, and he talks about perfect. He says, the progressivist, the modernist, they look at the word perfect, and they redefine it. They redefine perfect as progressive, as things are always being more perfect because it keeps changing. 
We keep changing, and that's good. We're changing, and this is perfect. It's good. However, what does perfect mean? Perfect means it has reached its epogee. It's reached its most glorious state. It's reached what it is called to be. It has fulfilled its nature. Then it's perfect. So if that's what perfection is, then why is, there, why is change good? Why is change good for perfect things? And that's why God can't change, because he is perfect. Because God is perfect, he cannot change. Because if he should change, what is he changing into? He can only change into something less perfect. So God does not change. And so when we look at this and apply this to our lives, our lives are not perfect, which is why we change. But what are we changing into? Where are we going? This goes back to what we were talking about a second ago. Quo bodies, where are we going? We are not perfect, but we approach perfection. And I bring this over to the Catholic Church to a change in doctrine. When, when St. Uh, John Henry Newman talks about change, he uses the phrase development of doctrine. Uh, one of the great Dominican theologians, I'm forgetting his, his name at the moment, he, uh, he coined the term the evolution of dogma which was uh, his idea of evolution was actually, he was actually doing a play on words against the theory of evolution at the time. And he tell, comes in and he talks about this. And these two ideas are the same. We have these changes, these things that are changing. But what and where are you changing to and for? The development of doctrine can be looked at like a circle. A circle that is perfect. Now, in nature, when we look around us, there is no perfect circles. The things approximate perfection, but they don't reach perfection. So, too, with our knowledge. We come to know things, but we come to know them more and more perfectly. And so, John Henry Newman says, okay, well, what is a circle? A circle is a, a shape with infinite sides. And infinite sides, and that's what a circle is. So, if you have a square, if you add a side it becomes more circular. Now you have a pentagon, and if you add another uh, side, it becomes more circular. So on and so forth. You have an octagon, it's even more circular than a square is, right? And so on and so forth. You keep adding sides, and it becomes more circular. He said the same thing is true with doctrine. That we have a doctrine in the church. We have teachings in the church. And over time, we refine those teachings, and we understand more about it. But it doesn't change the shape it, it fundamentally. We're just more and more approximating that perfect circle. And so if something completely deviates off to the side, and it's something that is not in continuity with the other sides in that circle, well, then we've gone astray. We've gone away from it. We're not approaching perfection anymore, which is why it's important that we rely on those who come before us. And this applies to our lives. This applies to our marriages. This applies to the raising of children. We approach perfection. But how do we do so? We have to know what was taught before us. We have to know what came before us and apply that to our current situations. And we develop it. We refine it to our particular circumstances. But we don't throw out everything that came before us and say, I can figure it out on my own. I'm going to change. Change is going to win. Progress is victory. No. Where are you progressing to? Progressing off a cliff? That's bad. 
And so I want to play this next part from uh, she just asked her, uh, who are you? So you went on this whole self-discovery thing. And what did you discover? Who is Tia Morrow? We'll play that clip. <laughs> because it's hard. Think, if you're yeah. not a husband or a, yeah. I mean, a wife or a mother. I am now living in my truth. Mm-hmm. I am now living out my purpose and walking in authenticity. And I feel like when you do that, there is joy yeah. and there is peace. Um, yes, there are, you know, little bits of happiness there too. Like some people will ask me, are you happy? And I will say, I have, you know, good days and bad days, Yeah. but I see the sun. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's like a little cloud, but the sun is kind of peeking through. Mm -hmm. Um, and it feels good. It feels good to be living and coming back to myself, Mm -hmm. you know? It's so nice. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll stop that there. she says at the end there, she goes, it feels good to be coming back to myself. The original question, if you remember, is who are you? And she said this whole nonsense about living her truth and that she is herself now. But who is yourself? You just you did not answer the question. You just referred back to yourself. It's kind of like whenever people ask, what is a woman? And they say a woman is a, a, a woman. It's someone who identifies as a woman. It's like identifies as what? A woman. Identifies as what? It's a, it's a nonsensical, it's a circular definition. And so, too, Tia Morrow is asked, okay, well, who is Tia Morrow? She said, well, I am myself. Well, who are you? Who are you? We only know ourselves in relation to others. And we talked about this on Monday, so I won't belabor the point. But <laughs> we, we identify ourselves in relation to others. We talk about our jobs. But then more fundamentally, we talk about our spouses, our children, our parents. In fact, it was very common to be named after your parent. The firstborn son was typically named after the father of the house because it was a name that was passed down because you would name yourself in relation to others. In Mexican cultures, people have long names because it refers back to your ancestry. Your last name shows yourself in relation to your family lineage. And so to you, this is what you are. This is who you are. And so to redefine yourself and say, that's not who I am, that's very concerning. Now, what's more concerning, though, and maybe it's not more concerning, maybe it's equally concerning. It's kind of hard to rate which is the most concerning thing here. This Hollywood culture promotes this false idea of reality. Reality can be whatever I make it to be. I am the master over reality. I am the master of my own fate. You're not. God is. God is the master of our fate. We have this whole industry which tells people we need to go out and discover the meaning of life. We need to go on the hero's journey, and when we come back from the hero's journey, then we know what life is about. We need to travel the world, experience good things. We need to go and experience that culture and experience that culture and know what that religion believes and what that religion believes. We need to experience bad things and good things, and then we settle down. We settle down, and we think about it. We discover what life is really about. But is that the case? Is that the case? People go on these journeys where they travel the world. They experience all these religions. They study all these religions, these cultures, and they come back not knowing anything. And yet a child a hundred years ago in the Catholic church could tell you with the meaning of life. It was the second question or third question in the Baltimore catechism. What is the meaning of life? 
and every single child would have memorized the answer to that question. Can you answer that question? Do you know what the answer is from the Baltimore Catechism? I'm going to tell you. It's to know, to love, and to serve God in this life in order to be happy with him in the next. That's the meaning of life. It's that simple. It's that simple. Every child, every Catholic child knows what took people traveling the world and studying religions, and they still can't figure it out. Why can a child who is a Catholic know the answer to that question better than people who have traveled the world? Because we rely. Because we did travel the world. We've already done all that through tradition, through the teaching of the church, through recognizing. Because you have to remember, Augustine was from Hippo, was in Africa. We have Athanasius. We have St. Anthony of Egypt. We have all these great saints from all over the world. St. Thomas Aquinas was in Italy. A Francis, of a, uh, Francis was in Assisi. We have uh, saints in Mexico, saints in America, saints in Asia. All these saints across the world have united knowledge. Maximilian Kolbe in Poland. We have all these saints all across the world, and we recognize the same truth is true no matter where you go in the world. And so we learn it. Kids learn it. And we know what the truth is. And so... Even a simple person who has the Catholic faith, even a simple person not educated well, didn't go to college, didn't have life experience, they know how to be happy better than these people, these Hollywood culture. And unfortunately, we didn't even get to cover even a scratch the surface of this problem. But we're definitely going to have a lot more shows about divorce and marriage and all these things coming up. But we'll be right back with the precious blood of Jesus after this. I also want to dialogue with all the young people. Catholics are committed to building a society which is truly tolerant and inclusive. Let us treat others with the same passion and compassion with which we want to be treated. Come and see what good things God is waiting for you at CatholicsComeHome.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When you walk into your non-denominational church or your megachurch, what do you see? What stands out to you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, observations in a Catholic church. You will notice at least eight items, all of which have religious, historical, or biblical significance. Secondly, what are those items? As soon as you walk in, the can't miss baptismal font, a stone altar, stained glass windows, 14 stations of Christ's passion, statues, a gold tabernacle, a lit candle near the tabernacle, and a large crucifix. Thirdly, my take. So, what seems to fill your church and truly move you toward Jesus? Oh, I know you don't need a physical or superfluous objects to move you toward Jesus. He's everywhere and in your heart. And that is true. But tell that to Moses, David, and Solomon, who were under strict and exact directions from God on how to build his house and then fill it with his Shekinah glory. I mean, does a comfy chair, does a flashy Fender guitar, does a well-fashioned stage move you toward contemplation and holiness? Remember, stages are for entertainment, but sanctuaries are for worship. I don't worship. know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologists. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. 
faith, hope, charity. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. My name is Catherine and Valerie and Sarah, and we attend St. Maximilian Colby Catholic Community. And you're listening to KSHJ Houston, 1430 AM. Radio for your soul. Version of people. If we really care about people, we really should be one. The number one thing is praying for the salvation of souls, for the conversion of sinners. That's the number one thing. We got to do that. And the number two thing is we have to go out and actually try to convert people. And that includes celebrities. I mean, these honestly, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. Celebrities seem to be people who are really and truly wanting to find happiness, wanting to find truth. And yet there's nobody giving it to them. And so they go with every fad. They become, they start hooking up with yogis they start hooking up with Scientologists. They start hooking up with these uh, different movements, these different cults. They follow all these strange Eastern religions. They become obsessed with self-help, with manifestation, all these different things. What are they searching for? They're searching for happiness. And then no one's telling them what it is. Uh, the only people out there who are doing even something similar are the evangelicals. And they're giving them a false Christian faith. They're giving them a false Christian faith. And why do you think so many people leave it? Because it doesn't have the whole worldview. And what's the key element that the Protestant worldview, the evangelical worldview, the self-help worldview, the yogi worldview, the Hindu worldview, the Eastern worldview, what are all these worldviews that the celebrity culture celebrates, loves, runs towards, that keeps disappointing them. What about it keeps disappointing them? And what about it is it missing? Well, it's the precious and holy blood of Jesus. The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ, which is so precious because it is his ransom that he paid for the redemption of mankind. Now, Protestants would agree with us there. But what they would not agree with us is that we then need to participate in that same sacrifice. That life is sacrifice. Life is suffering. We pray in the Salve Regina. This valley of tears. The world we live in is a valley of tears. That doesn't mean we can't be happy. We can't be joyful. In fact, we should be. We need happy saints. Joyful saints. But we have to recognize that this is a valley of tears. There will be sadness. There will be upsetting things. And there will be suffering. That, that's a big big issue right there that when pe people attend a church like Joel Osteen, they're given saturated saccharin because all he preaches about is uh, you, yourself, and, and I. And uh, I had to come out right, but it, it's all about being successful when Christianity, being a follower of Jesus, is knowing how to suffer, how to deal with the lows of your life. How to move on because we're, we were made for greatness, not for comfort, as Pope Benedict said before. And so 
I, I, I am not surprised that so many people that attend evangelicalism, such as uh, the, the health and wealth gospel of Joel Osteen, fall out or drop out or are just unsatisfied. They, they go in there and, and they get a nice sugary snack, but they fail to understand that they need to come to the Catholic Church for a complete meal in Jesus and the Eucharist. Yeah, and so this feast is celebrated in Spain in the 16th century. It was later introduced to Italy in Italy by St. Gaspar de Buffalo, uh, which he's a very interesting saint. I actually got a ran into a relic of his when I was in the novitiate. He was, it was in the, the retreat center that we stayed at the first week I was there for our silent retreat. I didn't know who the saint was. And very interesting. In the United States, the feast was assigned to the Friday after the fourth Sunday in Lent by a decision of the fourth provincial council of Baltimore in 1840. Pope Pius IX went into exile in Gatea in the kingdom of the two Sicilies in 1849. He had as his companion Father Giovanni Merlini, the third superior general of the fathers of the most precious blood. Very interesting. Very interesting. After they had arrived at Gatea, Don Merlini suggested that the Pope make a vow to extend the feast of the precious blood to the entire church if he would again recover possession of the papal states. The Pope took the matter into consideration but a few days later, on the 30th of June, 1849, the day the French army reconquered or conquered Rome and the insurgents of the Roman Republic capitulated, he sent his domestic prelate, Joseph Stella, to Father Merlini with this message. The Pope does not deem it expedient to bind himself by a vow. Instead, His Holiness is pleased to extend the feast immediately to all Christendom. On the 10th of August the same year, he officially included the feast of the most precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the general Roman calendar for the celebration on the first Sunday in July, the, in the first Sunday after the 30th of June, the anniversary of the liberation of the city of Rome from the insurgents. Pope Pius X assigned the date to the 1st of July to this feast. So then it was unchanging. So instead of being the first Sunday, it was on July 1st, no matter what. And then... In 1933, Pope Pius XI raised this feast to the rank of a first class to mark the 19th, 1900th anniversary of Jesus' death. Very interesting. Our Lord died in 33 AD. In 1933, Pius XI, in commemoration of the anniversary of the 1900th year, the anniversary of our Lord's death, he rose this feast to a first-class feast. Very beautiful. Very important to think about the outpouring of our Lord's blood and his sacrifice that he gave for us and making it such an important feast day. So you may be asking, okay, so why I was at Mass on July 1st, I didn't see this, I was Mass on Sunday, and I had no one mentioned the precious blood. Why is that the case? Well, the feast was removed from the general Roman calendar on 1969. And the reasoning they gave was, quote, because the most precious blood of Christ, the Redeemer, is already venerated in the solemnities of the Passion of Corpus Christi, of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and in the feast of the exaltation of the Holy Cross. But the mass of the most precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ is placed among the votive masses. So they said, okay, well, we'll keep the mass as a votive mass. And you can say it or not say it on a feral day if you want, on a day without a feast, if you want. Hmm. And so what did that effect would effectively do? And no one has ever heard of the Feast of the Precious Blood. No one celebrates it. 
and that was in the current calendar. So even in the current calendar today, it's not celebrated. Now, the sacred liturgy is very eloquent in its expression and meaning of the precious blood. So why? Why a feast of the precious blood of Jesus? And I think this is important to keep in mind. And when we think about this, think about how this applies to our lives, to Hollywood culture, to the problems that we face in the world today. Think about that. We have the offering of Cain and Abel. The sacrifice of Abel is pleasing to God, whereas that of Cain does not find favor. This opposition brings forth the crime of hatred. And the only solution Cain finds is in the murder of his brother. The parched earth soaks up the blood as it screams to heaven for revenge. This prefigures the scene at Golgotha, where the blood of Christ cried to heaven for the redemption of mankind. During the exile in Egypt, when the Jewish people were oppressed, the great event of the Passover took place. A one-year-old lamb, by divine command, is slain. The blood is then sprinkled on the doorpost, enabling the people within the home to escape the avenging angel. Houses thus reddened with blood are spared from the angel of death. The blood of the doorpost was a type of the blood of Christ. Can the blood of an animal save a man? No! It cannot, but as a type of the Savior's blood, it most certainly can. Well, this is important to note because in the Old Testament, the only reason why that the blood of animals had any sort of efficacious merit to them, the only reason why it provided any sort of grace to the Jewish people was because the blood was a type of the blood of our Lord. It was a reference to the blood of our Lord. It was a looking forward to the blood of our Lord. So when the blood of our Lord comes and takes the place and fulfills those Old Testament sacrifices, all those sacrifices of the old have gone away. They have no value anymore. They have no value because the king has come for the reality has come. We no longer need the symbols of the Old Testament because we have the reality of our Lord. So then when the destroyer sees the threshold of human heart, Marked with Christ's sacred blood, he must pass by, and another soul is saved. That's from Pope Pius in his book, The Year of Grace. In the vision of the prophet Isaiah, a man is seen treading upon the grapes. The prophet asked, why are your garments so red? He replies, the wine press I have trodden alone because from the nations there is no one with me. The man trampling the grapes is our divine Lord. His garments crimson by the blood of the redemption. In the Holy Gospel, so many references are made to the shedding of his blood. From the moment of the circumcision, to the sweating of the blood and the agony in the Garden of Olives, to the scourging at the pillar, to the crowning with thorns, and the blood splattered away to the place of the skull where Jesus was crucified, and finally to the piercing of the lance. Our Lord tells us, can a servant be greater than his master? If our Lord must shed his blood for us, then what kind of suffering must we suffer? What kind of sacrifices must we make? Is anything that doesn't require sacrifice worth it? You're going to make sacrifices. You're going to be a slave to somebody. You're going to be a slave to something. Either you're going to be a slave to yourself and your own willful desires, your own passions. You're going to be a slave to the devil who will ride you to hell. Or you could be a slave to our Lord and to our lady 
whose yoke is easy and burden light. And remember, our Lord said his yoke is easy and his burden light. He did not say there is no burden, there is no yoke. For taking on our Lord's yoke, we will have happiness, we will have joy. If you take on someone else's yoke or yoke of your own creation or the yoke of the devil, you will be oppressed. You will be depressed. You'll be sad. You will seek happiness and you will not find it. Now, there is much more that could be said about this typology, but I want to skip ahead to the Mass. What he did then was to gain the blessing of our redemption. What he does now in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is to apply these blessings to the constant spiritual needs of a sinful and even suffering humanity. In the Mass, Jesus continues no less than on the cross to offer himself to the Holy Father. Now, the highest form of honoring God is sacrifice. The Mass is a continuation of the sacrifice of Christ. It is a representation of Calvary. It is a sacrifice of praise and gratitude to the Eternal Father. But whereas Calvary, this sacrificial adoration, was bloody, causing physical death by crucifixion, in the Mass, it is an unbloody manner. For he is now glorified, immortal, and incapable of suffering. The Mass is a true sacrifice because the same Jesus Christ who immolated himself on Calvary now offers himself on the altar. Now I want to kind of conclude here with this prayer to the precious blood, recognizing these things and keeping these things in our mind, recognizing the, the greatness of the precious blood and how much he loves us to shed every drop of blood, every single one of them. And so to what will we sacrifice? What are we called to sacrifice? He's willing to give us eternity. And what is he asking of us? He's asking for all of us. He's asking for every bit of us. But his reward is greater than our sacrifice. I guarantee it. So let's conclude in this prayer. In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O God, who by the precious blood of thine only begotten Son has redeemed the whole world, preserve in us the work of thy mercy so that ever honoring the mystery of our salvation, we may merit to obtain its fruits through our Lord Jesus Christ, thy Son, who lives and reigns with thee in the unity of the Holy Ghost, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And that leads us into our game show, Fear and Trembling. So if you want to be a participant and a chance to win the prize today, all you have to do is call in. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call. And we're giving away a book by Sophia Institute Press. And if you want to want a chance to win that book, all you have to do is call in 877-757-9424. We always take the first caller, the first person to dial 877-757-9424 will, in fact, be have a chance to be a winner this week. 877-757-9424. You can call in now. We always take the first caller, 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. One last time, eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. We'll be right back with beer and trembling right after this. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. Eight seven 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 five seven ninety four twenty four eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. That's the number to call to be a participant for a chance to win a prize this week. If you were asking, okay, well, what exactly am I listening to? What's going on here? Well, it's very simple. We're playing Fear and Trembling. It's a Catholic trivia game show where we have three Catholic trivia questions. And the trick is, I'm not going to ask you the questions, because the trick is, you don't even need to know the answer. There is not, if you don't know anything about the Catholic faith, nothing whatsoever, you can still win. Why? Because I'm going to ask Tito these questions, and Tito's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong, which means that even if you just guess, there's a 50-50 chance of you getting each question correct. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? Thanks, Adrian. The Fear and Trembling Prize for this week is a book by Sophia Institute Press called The Devout Life, A Modern Guide to Practical Holiness with St. Francis de Sales. Read more at sophiainstitute.com. The mission of Sophia Institute Press is to provide substantive spiritual formation to help readers grow in holiness and in their knowledge of the Catholic faith. Good oh, job. Go. So the, the book is The Devout Life. The Devout Life, the Devout yes. Life, a Modern Guide to Practical Holiness with St. Francis de Sales. So if you like that book, the way to get it for free is to call in 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. We always take the first caller. So if you would like a chance to win this book about St. Francis de Sales and how to have practical holiness in a modern age well it's very simple you could get this book right here for free 877-757-9424 and the trick is that uh the chances of you winning 
is really good. Yeah. Because yesterday we didn't have a show, a game show yesterday, which means that there's going to be three extra chances of winning. Yep. Three. I don't know how that works in fractions. I don't, <laughs> I, I'm trying. Don't do math on air. That's the, that's the rule. Uh, but the number to call is eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four yeah it, number. It, it will increase your chances of being holier if you order this book you can't win if you don't play your chances of winning have increased by 20 percent since tuesday was the fourth of july so if you want to get into heaven why not Eight seven 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 five seven nine five two five. That is nine the number. Nine four two four. Nine four two four. Yeah. Excuse nah, me. There we go. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four is a number, not nine five nine four. My uh, find and replace there editing messed that go. up. Well, there you go. And that's the uh, the number to call. And if you uh, would like to be that contestant, we'll call in, and we'd love to have you on. Um, you could also find all of our information about the game show, about CDT in general. You can find any of that information, find out how to reach out to us. All the information is found on our website. You can go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, for grnonline.com forward slash CDT for more information about how to connect with us and to learn about the show and have our phone number, which is listed there. You can put us on your speed dial. We'd love to be there because uh, then you could just hop on and call in easy peasy, especially while you're driving. Uh, we don't want people to uh, put themselves in bad situations while they're, while they're driving. So make sure you do that. But go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, but joining us right now is uh, Joe. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning. Uh, Joe, where are you calling from? I'm calling from San Antonio. San Antonio, Texas. It's like, I think uh, so we should like spend a day and just listen to all our old shows and find out what percentage of our callers comes from the San Antonio area. I have a feeling it would be like 90%. And that's, what, that's my feeling there. Uh, but we love San Antonio. I love San Antonio. i got to head back there sometime soon. But uh, where are you off to this morning? Uh, I'm headed to Mass this morning. Ah, praise be to God. We're going to Mass. We uh, And where is Mass at? Uh, I'm a member of Blessed Sacrament in San Antonio. Blessed Sacrament in San Antonio, Texas. Praise be to God. Well, if you could spare us a prayer while you're at Holy Mass, we'd be very grateful. I will. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, and then you are familiar with the Mass, which is good because uh, there are a lot of questions here today that have to do with Hmm, with church, with mass. So we'll see. Are you ready to play the game? Do you know how to play? Sure. And perfect. Let's do it. Uh, we'll go with question number one, Tito. Okay. The question on the board. Are you ready? Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> the question is, what do what does a bell and a book and a candle together symbolize wow together. What that does it symbolize? is so general mm -hmm. they could mean multiple things but the only, the one thing that comes to mind is mass we there's a the bible there's the bells for the acolyte to ring and then there's a candle two or or six candles interesting yes interesting. so i'm going with mass so when you see a, a bell a book and a candle you think mass that's what i think okay it's interesting as an altar server all right all righty, Joe. Uh, this first question here could be a little tricky, so keep your ears tuned. The question on the board, 15 seconds on the clock, is uh, what does a bell, a book, and a candle together 
symbolize. I mean, you've been to Mass a few times. Have Perhaps you've seen these things in pictures or something, and you're like, that symbolizes Mass? I don't know if you have. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Uh, what say you? Tito seems to think it's Mass. What say you, Joe, from San Antonio, Texas? Hmm. Well, you've got a, a missile and a lectionary, and you have uh, a candle on the altar, uh, and you have bells during the consecration. So that is true. Uh, that's probably a uh, that's probably a good analogy. Well, I would. Uh, are you sure you want to go with yes? Are you sure you want to go with Tio the well, Tricky? Well, you know it's Tio the Tricky, but uh, uh, I think I'll go there. All right, he's going to go with it. He's going to go with it. Oh, oh no, it is not. No. Tito was uh, being extra tricky with that one because that I can see why somebody would think so. It's actually a symbol of excommunication. It's a symbol of excommunication. They would have a candle and they they blow it out, or actually they stomp it out, and uh, they have the book that they read to the person who's excommunicated, and they ring the bell. Um, these things happen at an excommunication. We don't really see these things happen. Uh, really ever anymore and Sadly. so it's a it's a very very tricky question so i probably would have guessed mass as well joe it, it is a very tricky question but don't worry the next two questions easily very easy questions i'm sure you're going to get the next two questions right are you ready for question number two joe yes well let's do it question number two okay within catholic theology is jesus considered to be a priest why yes a uh, high priest, in fact. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. And yep. it, well, you're saying that the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, that Christ is our high priest, is that, that's what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> that's a very interesting answer. Uh, Joe, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, within Catholic theology, is Jesus considered to be a priest? Tito seems to think, yes, he's the high priest. Uh, what say you, Joe, going to bless the sacrament in San Antonio, Texas? Not in the not in the uh, uh, context of being a presbyter, an uh, ordained priest. No. You sure you want to go with no? Yep. I would. Are you sure you want to go with no? Are you sure you think about think about Saint Paul saying we have a a new high priest? What would you say? Well, I'd go along with Paul, but I would put him in the in the category of priest. So are you going to go with yes? No, I'm going to go with no. Oh, okay. Okay. He's going to go with no. Yeah, no, he is He is the high priest. He's a fulfillment of the, the Old Testament priesthood, and he has taken the place of the Old Testament priesthood and become our new high priest because he sacrifices himself and who becomes the, the new sacrifice and faded out all the old sacrifices. And so he is both the victim and the sacrificer, who is the, the high priest. And so, yes, he is the high priest. Uh, but don't worry. Don't worry, Joe. Here's the last question here. And this question, I guarantee that you're going to get it right. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. All right. Here's the question. Okay. The question on the board. How many grains of incense are encased in a paschal candle and what are their significance uh let's see 
Well, I'd say that five. And uh, the reason is, is uh, it's the five wounds of Christ uh, represented in there. The Paschal candle representing his uh, 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 resurrection from the dead. So uh, that would make sense. He suffered on the cross from those five wounds. And so it, it's the five so different grains. Five. Grains okay. of incense. Yep. Okay, yeah. All right. I mean, I've been to Easter before, and I've yeah. seen them get the make a make a cross with it, with the one in the, that center. Okay, yeah. I see. I see what you're going with there. All right, Joe. The question on the board, 15 seconds on the clock. How many grains of incense are encased in a Paschal candle, and what are their significance? Tito says there are five for the five wounds of Christ. And a bonus little tidbit there that... They make it into a sign of the cross on the Paschal candle. Uh, what say you, Joe, from San Antonio, Texas? Is that right? Is that wrong? What say you? I'll go with that. He says he's going to go yes. That is correct, Joe. It is correct. The answer is five for the yeah. five of Christ. So very good, Joe. Uh, yes, today was a was tricky question uh, yeah. Wednesday, uh, but yet you still got uh, one question good in, job, which Joe. means... You got your name in the coffee cup of Divine Providence uh, once. And all you need is one trance to win. And you have 20% better odds today because uh, there was no game show yesterday. So you did great, Joe. Praise be to God. Stay on the line. We're going to make sure we get your contact information. So uh, if we should draw your name on Friday, we can give you a shout out and uh, send that prize to you. So make sure you're stay on the line. But God bless you and have a blessed day. Pray for us at Holy Mass if you would. I will. All righty, Joe, I'm going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you want to join us in the after show, hop on our social media streams. But if not, we'll see you back 6 a.m. Central across the Guadalupe Radio Network. And Thank Catholic you for Spirit. joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Home of the Salt Community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Anthony Mary Zachariah. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. Immaculate Mary, your praises we sing. You reign now in splendor with Jesus our King. Ave, Ave, Ave Maria. Ave, Ave Maria. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, that in the spirit of the Apostle Paul, we may pursue the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ. For having learned it, St. Anthony, Anthony Zechariah constantly preached your saving word in the church. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The reading from the book of Genesis. Abraham was, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Isaac grew on the, on the day of the child's weaning, Abraham held a great feast. Sarah noticed that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she demanded that Abraham drive out the slave and her son. No son of that slave is going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. Abraham was greatly distressed, especially on account of his son Ishmael. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed about the boy or about your slave woman. Heed the demands of Sarah, no matter what she is asking of you. For it is through Isaac that descendants shall bear your name. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a great nation of him also, since he too is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham got some bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. Then placing the child on her back, he sent her away. As she roamed aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba, the water in the skin was used up. So she put the child down under a shrub, and then went and sat down opposite him about a bowshot away. For she said to herself, Let me not watch to see the child die. As she sat opposite Ishmael, he began to cry. God heard the boy's cry, and God's messenger called to Hagar from heaven. What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy cry in his plight of his. Arise, lift up the boy, and hold him by the hand, for I will make of him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a, a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water, and then let the boy drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
responsorial psalm. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. When the poor one called out to Lord, the Lord heard, and from all his distress he saved him. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. The, the Lord, Lord hears, hears the cry of the poor. Fear the Lord, you his holy ones, for naught is lacking to those who fear him. The great grow poor and hungry, but those who seek the Lord want for no good thing. The, the Lord, Lord hears, hears the cry of the poor. Come, children, hear me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Which of you desires life and takes delight in prosperous days? The, the Lord, Lord hears the cry of the poor. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. The Father will to give us birth by the word of truth that we may be a kind of first-fruits of his creatures. Alleluia! 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 The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus came to the territory of the Gadarenes, Two demoniacs who were coming from the tombs met him. They were so savage that no one could travel by that road. They cried out, What have you to do with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the appointed time? Some dis distance away, a herd of many swine was feeding. The demons pleaded with him, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go then. They came out and entered the swine, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea where they drowned. The swine herds ran away, and when they came to the town, they reported everything, including what had happened to the demoniacs. Thereupon the whole town came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their district. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, to you Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. I think the gospel reminds us today that encounters with Jesus are not always uh, fluffy and light. Sometimes, well, any time we have an encounter with Jesus, it requires a change. In fact, the very word we use for gospel, sometimes we translate that word as good news. But it may not always be good news, or at least it originally wasn't, that it, could, it is usually a message from the king or the emperor that was meant to effect a change. So whether it was something good, like we were going to have a prosperous year, or that the armies of the, of the our enemy are marching on us and you better leave, that's not very good news, but you better do it, because it's an edict from the king or from the emperor. And, of course, Christians took that and realized that that message, the same thing of Jesus when he came, is that it is meant to affect a change in us. What happens in the gospel today is uh, you, you can... We, if you look at it from the perspective of the, of the swine herders, they are not happy that Jesus came. They would rather he go on and, do, and go on somewhere else because it affected their livelihood, it affected their food supply, 
and they were they were not going to have anything about they didn't want anything anything to do with it but what Jesus does is of course is he heals these two men uh, from from the devil but they did it, it but that impacted them in some way and they didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus so they asked him to leave their district imagine the from the other same the same way is that perhaps they didn't they don't like that the demonics were out, were out there they caused trouble because they were very savage but there's that old saying is better the devil you know than the devil you don't know and so they'd rather deal with that than they don't know about this Jesus and when he comes around he really causes trouble <laughs> but rather and the thing the thing too is that that road you know nobody could walk that road but maybe there was a bit of a defense maybe well, that's great nobody has to walk that road and we are comfortable with that but Jesus just turns their world to upside down and he does the same with us when we come to encounter him now it may not be as dramatic as something that happened in the gospel today where we see a herd of swine running down a steep bank into the sea and being drowned and it may not as may say it may not be as dramatic as that it may be more subtle but it does affect us in us a change what is the lord asking us to change in our life today it may it may sort of up, upward or turn over our world and I said it may be a bit more gentler than that but the Lord is always asking us and particularly what how is he asking us to conform our life more deeply to him what is the virtue or the grace that the Lord wants to offer us just today just for one day so that we could live that out more perfectly in our life and so grow in our knowledge but also in our living out of our Christian life and becoming more like Jesus Let us stand and bring our prayers and petitions before our Heavenly Father. Let us pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for all his physical and spiritual needs. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That we, the followers of Christ, would welcome that good news, which has effected a change in us so we become more like Christ today. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's pray for those who are suffering, who have for, for any need, that the Lord may supply for their needs and we may help them as well as our brothers and sisters. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who have died and for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the intentions that we hold in our hearts and for those who are the intentions of those who are joining us through Guadalupe Radio or online, for those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, for all their spiritual and physical needs, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we bring you our prayers and petitions this day. We ask that you answer them according to your holy will, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Come back to me. With all your heart, don't let fear keep us apart. Trees do bend, though straight and tall, so must we to others call. Long have I waited 
unto me and living deeply our new life. Long have I waited for your coming home to me and living deeply Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. May the oblation made by your consecrated people in commemoration of blessed Zachary, Anthony Zachariah be acceptable to you, we pray, O Lord, and grant that by participation in this mystery we may reflect the pattern of your love through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For in the marvelous confession of your saints, you make your church fruitful with strength ever new, and offer us sure signs of your love. And that your saving mysteries may be fulfilled, their great example lends us courage. Their fervent prayers sustain us in all we do. And so, Lord, with all the angels and saints, we too give you thanks as an exaltation we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you.
In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice. And giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Anthony, Zachariah, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant, Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. <coughs> through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, quitolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, Quitolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, Quitolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I, am I am not worthy, worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Soul of my Savior, sanctify my breast. Body of Jesus, be my saving guest blood of my savior bathe me in thy tide wash me waters gushing from his side strength and protection may his passion be oh blessed jesus hear and answer me deep in thy womb 
Let us pray. May this holy meal give us strength, Almighty God, so that by the example of blessed Anthony Zechariah, we may show in our hearts and by our deeds both fraternal charity and the light of truth through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow down for the blessing. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Hail, Holy Queen, enthroned above. O Maria, Hail Mother of mercy and of love, O Maria, triumph all ye cherubim, sing with us ye seraphim, heaven and earth resounds the sweetness here below. O Maria, our hope in sorrow and in woe. O Maria, triumph for ye cherubim. Sing with us, ye seraphim. Heaven and earth resound the hymn. Salve, 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 Regina. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. 
from every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Amy Shields 